Welcome everybody to Seeking God's Truth, a podcast seeking the answers to the one and only God. I'm your host, Carlos Hernandez. I'm excited that today is the first episode of my podcast of Seeking God's Truth. Today we'll be discussing on what it is to be a Christian. As I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking about my time in service when we were trying to do a free election in Iraq. The people in Iraq, there were three tribes, the Sunni, the Shiite, and the Kurds, were trying to have a free election for power. And they were all believed in the same Quran but all had different interpretations of the Quran and didn't like each other. And there was a lot of fighting and there's actually people killing each other. Then it made me think about what it is like here in the United States. When people label themselves as Baptists, Catholics, and Methodists, and what if we use those same beliefs here and labeled ourselves differently, viewing our beliefs better than somebody else's? better than others but we believe in the same bible the same no matter what translation we use the messages are usually the same so what i plan on doing is laying out the groundworks about what it is to be a christian because it is important to know how to define yourself as a christian before it is to learn about what it is when you need to do to be a christian even before i was saved and i even got into religion I didn't know exactly what it was to be a Christian or even a Catholic. So I decided first before I started this episode was to look up the definition of a Christian. According to Webster's Dictionary, a Christian is one who professes the belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ or it is treating others in a kind, generous way. The second definition is kind of misleading because I've been treating people kindly most of my life and that doesn't make me a Christian because I'm not professing my beliefs in Jesus. So I believe that you have to combine the two. The definition alone does not make you a Christian, it just defines you as a Christian because the belief in Jesus Christ is not enough and neither is treating people kindly because there's nothing else sustaining you from being a Christian. The reason why I say this is because I fell in this pit hole too. Because we don't practice our faith and we do not research the Bible. We do not look for meaning into the Bible. We just go through the motions and visit church and after baptism and we do nothing for further spiritual growth. Some might even take credit for their faith on their own not give glory to god who was the one who gave them that faith we know god saved us through faith through ephesians 2 8 through 9 it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourself it is the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast when paul wrote this he himself could not speak of his glorious work of God without giving everyone a reminder that the gift of grace was of God's and given to even the most undeserving. It is not through faith alone that we are saved. It is grace of faith. We are saved. Just like we cannot believe in Jesus Christ unless we believe in God. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age is referred to as Satan, and Satan can only blind those who do not believe. And in order to see the light, one has to be saved. 
And the glory of Christ, being referred to as the image of God, goes back into saying, If you believe in Christ, you must believe in God. Though we might still boast about the glories of our salvation, under God's plan of salvation, He alone only receives glory of our salvation. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 speaks about sin and the light. If we're blinded by Satan, how easy is it? to tell the difference between good and evil. It's simply easy to talk about good and evil and about good deeds and evil deeds, but it's really difficult to tell the difference between good and evil because good and evil is not always simply true. Todd McFarlane quoted, Are you confident that you can distinguish the forces of light from the forces of evil? And there's nothing out there in life that is all black and all white. Good always has a germ of evil inside it, and evil j just a touch of good. So what Tom McFarlane was saying, in real life there is nothing that is pure evil and pure good. It takes one evil act to make a good person evil, and the same thing with an evil person. It takes one good act to make them good. Even Jesus understood this concept. He understood that humans were born to sin. Even including himself, even though he was the son of God and never sinned himself. But he chose to live a path of a mortal man. In Luke 18.19, he said, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good, except for God alone. This was a message not saying that Jesus was bad. This was a message saying that he was a mortal man and was not neither pure good or pure evil. To be good was to be God himself. Now comes the question of overall about how to actually become a Christian. It is not as simple as just professing in the teachings of Jesus Christ or treating a person kindly. Those things can help you in maintaining being a Christian, but what are the long-term things that can help you continue living a Christian life? After I was baptized back a few years ago, I was just on autopilot, not really learning anything from the Bible besides what I learned in Sunday Mass. It wasn't until I actually dove into the word myself is when I actually started learning a lot more. And as I studied more, there was lessons in there I wish I had learned a long time ago, especially when I was, I was a teenager. If I told myself right now as a teenager that I would be doing this podcast and own two Bibles, I would call myself a liar. But as I learn more in the Bible, the more I know that you need different references and more resources on studying it. In my opinion... To become a Christian, you need at least three things. Yes, you need to profess in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Second, you need to live by the word of the Bible. And lastly, you need to study the word of the Bible because without knowing what the actual word is, you'll be following the word blindly. I don't know about you, but I don't like following people's commands without knowing exactly what I'm following. You might want to know why we need to know about the Bible or even understand it. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus was baptized and then in chapter 4, he then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. There he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights with no food or water. And of course the devil was tempting him with to call out to his father um, God to perform miracles to get, feed him. On the first attempt, the devil asked him to turn a stone into bread. In Luke 4 4 says, And Jesus answers, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. 
even though there was two other attempts to succumb to the devil's wishes, this one stands out because it says that we cannot live solely on material needs. We also need the word of God to help us through things. Even the most well-fed needs the word of God. I remember working on my master's degree at AUM and I was in a group therapy for a class and the leader of the group therapy was a preacher. And this was at the time of me non-believing. It gave me negative feelings about church because he told me that I needed to have God in my life instead of telling me what God can do for me in my life. And I'm a type of person that would prove someone wrong. But I also realized later on that my life was definitely harder without God in my life. So you can live your life without God, but it depends on how you want your life to be lived. Do you want a life lived with no purpose or do you want a life to live with full of purpose because i believe serving god is the greatest purpose of all when you get to serve not only god but others well i'm trying to always find ways to better myself and to try to help other people rather than myself that's one of the benefits about going to church is that we keep a positive company because get caught up in the people that we also hang out with people can mislead us into negative behaviors and start following the negative path of sin many of the places where i grew up there was not a place where teens could go when they were looking for positive role models so when i got older i started hanging out with the wrong crowd and started having a negative behavior drinking alcohol doing drugs at first i thought this was all my doing completely out of anybody else's control we see in first corinthians 15 33 it says do not be misled bad company corrupts good behavior this small verse expresses that if you allow, allow non-christian beliefs to shape your thinking it is easier to conform to the world's views instead of gods i believe this is completely true because the corinthians at the time this was written believed in the jewish views and not the resurrection of god and they were easily persuaded into believing other views that's when we focus more on social influences or we tend to act differently in front of other people based upon social influence you can think of it like this i always have the tv running and the view happened to be on and one of the talk show host mentioned that she has a set of friends for every situation which brings the point of that she acts differently depending on the situation why would you do that because you should act the same regardless of who you are with and what are you doing why would you act differently if you're hiking or would you act differently if you're doing something formal me i have friends that i act the same with regardless of who they are and what they do unfortunately this happens more often than not a more extreme um example is riots when you come to a protest it usually turns out normal but when it comes into a riot people that normally do not riot will riot this is called de-individualization is when somebody acts differently just because they're in a group and they lose their individualization so we need to understand that the people that we hang out with we could end up ending up just like them
Besides de-individualization, we also need to worry about social conformity. This is when somebody is in a large group and we conform to the group's opinions, feelings, and behaviors and start changing our behaviors towards the group's norm. What you might be saying to yourself is, why not be careful inside the church? Well, that's what part of studying the Bible and learning yourself about what you find acceptable and what you personally want to know about the Bible is conforming just what is being taught and not exploring the Bible yourself not exploring the Bible will leave you less fulfilled and will not further your faith in the church. I can sit here and tell you all day about stories of churches that turn into cults or how churches used social conformity to manipulate church members into doing what they want, but that doesn't serve any purpose. So instead of following strictly on what our religious leaders say, we should always try to study the Bible as best as we can. I am fortunate to have three pastors to have uh, to question scripture on if I need to. In questioning our faith, we must question with the idea of believing our faith. In James 1, 6 through 8, James speaks about the trust of God. He says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is saying that it's not a sin to question God and what it is to belong to Him. Personally, I think it is always good to question a little bit because to seek Him, you would have to keep searching in the Bible to even more for further understanding. But we have to also understand that mistrust, suspicious attitude towards God poisons the spirit, making joy impossible. Which I can see this is true too, because before I found God and before I started reading the Bible and going to church, I wasn't a very happy person and there's times where after I left church or after I read the word, I felt I felt better about myself or I felt closer to God. In the Bible verse, being double-blinded means a request for wisdom blocked from God. It is not as much as God is withholding answers, but as we are not prepared for his answers. Also with providing us answers, we also must believe that God will also turn pain, evil, tragedy into eternal good. What I do find a great tragedy is that we place God sometimes on a back burner where we will place family and friends, some of them which are mistrustworthy. We'll even put strangers on social media on a higher trust level than God himself. I was one of the people that trusted my family members more than my own wife at times. And I had to cut those ties myself because I was only hurt in the end. Now I only trust a very select few. Of course, my wife, my grandmother, and my mother. And and place my full trust in God himself because in the end it's him who has the plan for my life and where I am going. Solomon told his son in Proverbs 3 5 trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Solomon was basically telling his son to trust in God with all of his heart because Solomon himself found God was worthy of his trust. Human nature tends to want to trust someone or something, even when it's ourselves. 
Psalm was not telling us not to unconsciously to trust God. He was wanted us to consciously put God's trust in the foremost part in our hearts. So to truly trust God, we must trust with all of our heart. We can tell the difference between blind trust and actual trust because we can see that it is in scripture and that God is good and he is with us. But we need to allow ourselves to trust God with our heart. So we believe in God. We hold him tight to us. And keep him close to our heart. And we trust him with all our heart. And we have the proper company. So what more do we can we possibly do? We also must not neglect where we worship God. We as humans are social beings. Humans normally thrive with social interactions. Normally I would disagree with the statement. But without bugging you down with any more psychological statistics there are studies that have been out by social psychologists that state that we deal with social interactions every day whether it be in a grocery store social media or even with internet video games later episodes i will be speaking about how god has a plan for our society with community friends family spouse and self the issue with today's society is whether or not we go to church or not or whether or not we deal with social interactions through a filter on social media i'm a person that really doesn't care for social media but it's out there and the more we have it the more negative things come out it has only given us more insecurities and mental health has dramatically gone downhill since it came out one time i was on twitter and this girl came on my recommendations and it was a post that that caught my attention about how she had sex with a random person but then i looked at her other posts and she was talking about how she was the female version of jesus so i made a comment about how she could be the female version of jesus if she's having sex with random people and then her followers are saying about how i can make such comments when i have such little followers i didn't told them is that how can i value myself with how many followers i have because because i don't value myself based upon the number of strangers following me on a social media platform so as we look at social media as a negative influence we need to look at other revenues for a place that we can have a positive influence and look to the church and some might ask why do we go to church or why do we have to go every sunday or it do we even have to go every sunday well in hebrews 10:25 it says let us not neglect our meetings together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is near basically it's saying that it's okay to miss church every now and then because you're sick or you're on vacation but don't make it a habit god has designed us to make connection with one another it is important to connect and serve god under the church we all have those days where we don't want to go to church one day but I think it's important that we sometimes bear through it and get that fulfillment that we get because sometimes you might get that one word that you need to get you through the day or even the week. It is important to hear what the pastor has to say or even just what one individual has to say. Sometimes it's just one simple hello or a hug. I know sometimes going to church, the only person I even want to see is my friend Ken. He brings joy to my heart and his wife is such strong in their faith. Gives me an uplifting feeling every time I see them. 
To willingly skip worship is to reject God's instructions, therefore hindering one's spiritual growth. And I'm not talking about simply going to church. Anybody can just go to church. I'm talking about this is worshiping God wholeheartedly and being part of the community of the church. If you're not part of a church community, I urge you to be part of one. It is the most fulfilling part I have come to love. I enjoy going to church going to men's breakfast. I am also part of the outreach of my church and even going to youth. My kids are not even in youth anymore and I still participate, which gives the youth leader that is dedicated to them and dedicated to God himself. Now that we understand that just being saved and believing in God is not enough to be a Christian, that we have to have guidelines, rules, and commandments to follow not only good Christians, but also to find our way into heaven. Many people forget these principles and when they finally accept God into their lives. And they don't follow the principles or they modify the principles. I'm not saying that these people are bad people, just need more guidance. I'm not trying to say that I'm a perfect person. I at times need a lot more guidance than anyone else. So where do we find this guidance? Well, in the next seven episodes or so, we'll be discussing the Ten Commandments and sin. I've broken down the Ten Commandments and three different episodes so i'm not bogging you guys down with a lot of information in one episode we'll be discussing commandments one through four in episode two and five through seven in episode three and eight through ten through episode four and possibly spend two more episodes on the sin depending on which sins I talk about. The reason why I say that is because some sins are pretty common sense, like slavery, but other sins are not, like homosexuality and adultery. I know some of these topics are going to be controversial, and I know some people might not like it, but I'm coming straight out of the Bible, and I will present the Bible verses that it says that they are sins. I'm not saying that we shouldn't love these people, or we should ostracize them. I'm just saying that we should love them and we should not judge them. Even though these are sins, it's not up to us how they are punished. It is up to God himself. I want to say thank you for listening. You can contact me at sgodstruth at outlook.com on Twitter at sgodstruth or you can search for me on Facebook at Seeking God's Truth. So drop a message and let me know how it was. Be afraid to tell me what I can improve on and what can I um, do more for the show. And an idea for an episode. Thank you and God bless.